When I was uh, growing up in Scotland, it seems a long time ago, and I turned 40 this year. When I was growing up in Scotland, there were, there were certain places that we uh, used to visit. We used to go there for our summer vacations. But there were some summers um, when my mum took time off work, we wouldn't go away anywhere in particular. Sometimes it was too expensive. So we went, as my mum called it, days here and there. It was almost like this was a location that we went to, days here and, here and there. Where did you go for your summer vacation? Oh, we went to Spain. We went to Blackpool. No, we went days here and there. And doing that, we, had, we, we did. We had an absolutely wonderful time. Um, sometimes we'd go to the zoo. There was a safari park not far from, from where I was brought up. We'd take the train into Edinburgh. But for the most part, when we took these days here and there, we would, we would drive to different places in and around central Scotland. We'd go to a place called, a, a, a range of hills called the Trossachs. We'd go to Loch Lomond. We'd go to various other places. We'd pack a picnic. We'd jump in the car. We'd go and pick up my gran and my papa. And then we'd see where the road would take us. Now, 30-some years ago, when you went on road trips, you didn't have it easy like so many of us do now. Many of us have minivans with, with plenty of room. My mom had a mini. She would drive. My gran would sit in the front. My papa would sit in the back between me and my sister. And we did this until my sister and I were both teenagers. So just imagine these three large people in the back of, of a mini. Now also, 30-some years ago, there were no such thing as, as DVDs. There were no such thing as uh, VHS cassettes. So you couldn't even stick a movie on in the car to keep everyone quiet. There were no iPods. There were no Nintendo DSs. There was nothing like that. We didn't even have a cassette player in the car. It had one of these old radios that you had to tune in manually with, with a dial. And then if you wanted to store the station, it had these, I don't know if, if you had them in the States, but it had these big old chunky buttons. You had to physically pull this thing out and then <laughs> ram it back in. And that was how you stored the station. So, because we didn't have all the stuff that you have today, we had to do things to keep ourselves entertained. The first thing that we'd often do to keep ourselves entertained always involved my gran. Um, my gran, and, and I apologize for, for this, but uh, my gran had really, really bad asthma, and she would wheeze. She would sit in the front of the car, and she always, I remember she always did this thing with her hands. She'd move her hands like this, and she'd go, uh-huh. Uh-huh, 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 just like that. And we'd get the car started, and one of us would invariably say, Mom, is there something wrong with the car? What's that terrible noise? And my mom would say, it's your gran wheezing. Aye, it's just me wheezing, son, she would say. So that was always one of the first things we'd do to get ourselves entertained on our trip. My, my, my papa, he would, he would always start singing songs old Scottish songs, um, and songs that he had learned during the war. But the very, very favorite thing, I mean, we did other things as well, but the very favorite thing that we did was we played a game called the hymn alphabet. Now, when I say hymn, it's H-Y-M-N, not H-I-M, the hymn 
alphabet. And, and believe it or not, we still do this in my family from time to time when we're on road trips. What you did in this game was you would start at the letter A, and then everyone in the car had to sing a hymn or a chorus or something like that beginning with the letter A all the way up to Z. Now, there's not that many beginning with Q or X, so you had to stretch things a little bit, but I think you get the picture. We did all of these things, and we sang all of these songs, and you know, I don't really remember too many of the locations, but it's the journeys in the car that I remember. Not the places themselves, but it's the journey, that the journeys stay in my mind. Now, you're probably wondering, why am I giving you this intimate glimpse into the vacation life of the, the Rankin family? Well, the psalm that we're looking at today, Psalm 130, we're going to read that just in a moment, if you want to turn in your Bibles to it, Psalm 130. It falls in a series of psalms beginning at 120 right through to 134 that are called Psalms of Ascent, or as the, the King James Version calls them, gradual psalms. They were, they were psalms that were sung by the Jewish people whenever they made their way to Jerusalem for the three great annual festivals. Now, by no stretch of the imagination are, are, are these psalms, have these psalms got anything really to do with uh, hymn alphabets. But, but the link is that these journeys were marked by the songs that they sang and the stories that they told along the way. The journey was absolutely important because it bonded them together as a community. They were intimately aware of one another. They were intimately aware also of their, of their surroundings. And at certain points, they always sang certain songs. They were reminded of who they were as a people in relation to God and also in relation to their surroundings. This psalm is, is close to the end of, of the cycle. No, they did not go on bikes. They did go on foot. They were getting ready for this final push up to Jerusalem. They were at the bottom of the mountain, and the path just seemed to stretch ever onwards and ever upwards. They were tired. They were, they were worn out. They, they knew that the end was almost in sight, but this last climb was almost too much for them. And as they look up, they feel like they're in a deep, deep place. And so this prayer, this psalm, this song is brought to mind. Now listen. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you're feared. I wait for the Lord. My, my soul waits, and in His Word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. He Himself 
will redeem Israel from all their sins. Amen. Now, there's a lot of stuff packed into this psalm, and I'm not going to talk about all of it. It would take way too long, and it's probably going to go on too long this morning as it is. But there's three things, three things that I want to touch on. Firstly, in the psalm, we find the reality of sin. The second thing that we find in this psalm is the reverence of those who have been forgiven. And thirdly, we find the reward of those who watch and wait. So, the reality of sin, the reverence of those who have been forgiven, and the reward of those who watch and wait. So, firstly then, in this psalm, we're faced with the reality of sin. I don't know about you, but I was really struck by the, the first phrase in this psalm. It, it just seems to come at you like a blow. Out of the depths. Out of the depths. It would be very, very tempting for us to say that this psalm is a word of hope for anyone at all who is despairing, anyone who struggles with depression. Now, there are some very, very real depths there that so many of us face from from day to day, or, or some even from moment to moment. And yes, there is certainly a word of hope for those who struggle with depression, but that's not primarily what this psalm is about. And we have to look at the context of the psalm to figure out what it really is about. First of all, verse 2 gives us a clue. The psalmist is crying for mercy. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. Now, what is mercy? Well, there's an old definition that says, mercy is what happens when you don't get what it is that you actually deserve. The psalmist finds himself in the depths. And on some levels, he knows very well that he deserves to be there. And his only prayer is that the Lord will have mercy on him. The second clue, and it's pretty obvious, it comes in verse 3. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, O Lord, who could stand? See, this is not a prayer for all those who are in the depths of depression, because not everyone who struggles with depression does so because of sin. The psalmist may very well be in the depths of despair, but it's because he recognizes that he is lost, that he is broken, that he is a sinner, far from where he knows in God that he ought to be. This psalm is for people who are lost in the depths of sin, and they know full well that there's no way out for them except through the mercy of God. There's a story in the Old Testament that this psalm brings to mind, just this opening phrase. It's the story of Jonah. He found himself in the belly of a whale, in the depths of the ocean. Why? Well, because God had given him some very, very clear instructions, and he made a choice to go in the opposite direction 
and his disobedience, his sin, eventually led him into the depths. And it was out of these depths that he cried to the Lord. I encourage you to read the story of Jonah later, um, particularly chapters 1 and 2. In chapter 2, you'll find Jonah's prayer from the belly of the whale, and it's almost like a fuller version of Psalm 130. So, this psalm brings us face to face with the reality of sin and its consequences. It's a psalm of, of penitence, very much like Psalm 51. Read that as well. So, this psalm brings before us the reality of sin. The second thing that this psalm does is it shows us the reverence of the one who has been forgiven. First of all, let me say this. It was, it was only when the psalmist was in the depths that he called out to God. It was only when he was faced with the reality of his sin and its consequences that he turned to the only one who could save him. It's exactly the same situation for Jonah. If you read it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It was only when he was in the depths that he remembered the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the times that I've made some bad choices, I look back on those times and I see, I see how it's been a long and how it's been a dangerous journey. You make one choice which leads to another place to make another choice, and then you make another choice. And all too often, I know I do this, and I trust others do this too, all too often we blow off the, the little seemingly insignificant choices that we make. We don't think it's really all that bad until we're brought face to face with the ultimate reality of where those choices have brought us. And we wonder, how on earth did we fall so low? How did we get there? There's a song by a band called Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. Listen to the refrain. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Thoughts invade. Choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. When we get there, ultimately we realize what we've lost. And yet, listen to the psalmist in verses 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Here we see the reverence of the one who has been forgiven, and he knows that he doesn't deserve that forgiveness. For the psalmist, God is a God who is feared. Now, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? Some suggest that it simply means to worship. I've been forgiven, so I worship God. But that's not enough. It's so much more than that. It's so much 
deeper and it adds so much depth to our actual worship if we understand what it really means. When it says to fear, guess what? It actually means to fear. The the word means to be amazed, to, to be filled with wonder and awe. You see, here is the one who holds in his hands the power of life and death, forgiveness or annihilation, mercy or deserved punishment. The reality is that this Lord, this one who does not count our sin against us, but offers us freely forgiveness, this Lord is more powerful than the sin which brings us to the very depths. Now, what are the implications of that? God is not our buddy. All too often we think of God as our chum. He's walking alongside us. He's our, he's our BFF, our best friend forever. But He's the only one who can set us free from the power of sin. That makes Him so much more than just a buddy. That demands our fear. That demands our reverence, our awe, and our wonder. Listen to how the old hymns put it. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner, uncleansed, unclean. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. So, in this psalm, we're faced with the reality of sin, but also the reverence of the one who knows that he's been forgiven. And then finally, there's the reward for those who watch and wait. Now, the image that the psalmist gives us here is one that we're not really all that familiar with, but imagine if you can the the sprawling city of ancient Jerusalem surrounded by its mighty walls. At various points along these walls were posted watchmen whose job it was was to sit all night long looking, looking out beyond the city, looking to see who was approaching, friends or enemies, but watching, watching and waiting to endure the darkness of the night. And sometimes for these watchmen, the nights were extremely long. But for these watchmen, eventually the night came to an end. They were released from the darkness with the rising of the sun. A new day had dawned, a day of light, a day of warmth, a day of freedom. They could leave their posts and go about the tasks of the day, rejoicing in the freedom that was theirs. There's another image, though, that I want to bring before you this morning, and I hope 
that none of you have gone through this, but I'm sure some of you have. I'm thankful that I haven't been through this, and I say yet, but I hope I never do. And I can't fully imagine what this would be like, and I don't even want to imagine, to be honest with you. But try, let's try together if we can, to imagine what it would be like if one of your children suddenly got terribly sick. They developed a fever that just wouldn't break. They're lying feverish in a hospital bed with tubes attached all over the place, so much so that you, you hardly recognize the child as your own. But your, your heart is, is breaking as you sit by your child's bedside hour after hour through the longest night of your life. You, you can't leave that bedside because your hope is that at any moment that beloved child of yours is going to regain consciousness and you have to be there when she opens her eyes. That's your hope. That's your desperate prayer. And then the fever breaks and her eyes flicker and they open. And all you can do is weep for joy because the child that you love so much is alive and awake. You knew what you stood to lose. And with the opening of those eyes, you experience a reward more than you could ever imagine. That is the reward that the psalmist speaks of when he is set free from sin. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning, more than the mother waits for the fever to break, more than the father waiting beside his daughter's bed. That's the song the Hebrews sang on the way to worship. That was part of their journey their reality, their experience of life. They sang of the reality of sin, of the reverence of the ones who know forgiveness and the reward of those who watch and wait. Friends, sin is a reality in all of our lives, but through Jesus Christ, we can know forgiveness. If you're lost, and if you're far from God, turn to Him. Turn to Him and watch and wait and trust and hope and the freedom in Christ that you experience that is promised for you will be so much more than you could ever have imagined. May this be your prayer and your reality today through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.